Good morning. Nice to be with you. Thank you very much for the kind welcome. Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians 3 this morning, Paul's prayers. Just one of Paul's prayers in Ephesians chapter 3. I love studying Paul's prayers, but they are a bit disconcerting because they don't sound a lot like my prayers, to be honest, and maybe they should, you know. And here in Ephesians 3, Paul is praying a big prayer. In fact, an impossible prayer. That's what it's famous for almost. It says that we might know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that we might know something that you can't fully know. And Paul is praying that we might know this love of Christ, know the unknowable, And he really means that we might plumb the infinite depths of God's love as far as we can, right? It's not possible to go fully, of course, but as far as we can. And for some, this actually feels impossible in another sense. If we're honest, we struggle to really believe that God does love us personally. That's just a personal struggle with us. God seems distant at times, theoretical. Now, we know this in theory, but we would love to kind of know and feel God's love in a real way in everyday life. And we actually know sometimes other Christians who do, and we wish we could feel more like them. And Paul actually is going to teach us in this prayer how that comes about, that you can really know God's love. All right, so let's read together Ephesians 3 from verse 14. <clears throat> For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So let's just notice here what is necessary for us to get this deep sense of God's love. We need to be strengthened. You see what he says right at the start? We need to be strengthened with power through his spirit and our inner being. Or actually, he puts it another way. Later on in this same prayer, he says that we need to be rooted and grounded in love so that we have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You see his emphasis there on inner strength through the Holy Spirit. If we're going to know God's love, we need inner strength through the Holy Spirit. In order to cause us to be rooted and grounded in God's love. And then we can really begin to explore the love and feel it and know the love of God. I'm not sure if you ever prayed that prayer. You know that you would be strengthened in, in the inner being through the Holy Spirit. For yourself. For your loved ones. See how Paul's prayers are disconcerting. Like we often pray for people. For our loved one's outer being to be strengthened, especially if they're weak and sick and struggling and frail and old. Do we pray for their inner being to be strengthened? 
This is obviously hugely important. Paul is on his knees here, begging God to grant these Christians strength in their inner being. He, you know, he knows that they need to be rooted and grounded in God's love, and that is only possible through the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Maybe you prayed fervently for your loved ones, you know, before they were Christians to, to trust Christ. Well, Paul is saying, you know, don't stop now, right? For, for the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts, for to open their minds to the Lord Jesus. Well, don't stop praying because you still need just as much as ever. You, we need the Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts as Christians to bring that inner strength so that we might be rooted and grounded in God's love, Right? And one of the reasons many of us lack a deep sense and real sense of the love of God is because we don't even ask for it. We don't even know we need to. Uh, we read our Bibles a bit, we go to church, we pray for our food and our families, and it never crosses our mind to pray like this. We pray that our loved ones will be safe and live healthy and happy lives. And poor old Paul must be face palming in glory, you know, and saying, pray for what matters. Pray that God in his generous grace would grant your loved ones to be strengthened with power in the spirit, in the inner man, in the inner person. Because that is what is going to matter forever. A wee healthy, happy life will matter for a few years. Paul's prayers in the New Testament are a real challenge to me, especially as an elder, because often it doesn't cross my mind to pray like this for those under my care. But Paul understands our greatest needs, and we could all learn the same priorities from studying Paul's prayers. So that's lesson number one. But let's think about why he's praying this then. Why do we need to be strengthened from God's Spirit? And it is to become rooted and grounded in love, in God's love. So this is essential for us to become our true selves. Here's a quick quiz. Do you have a page handy, a pen? Take out a a blank page and a pen. We're going to do a quiz. No cheating, no copying from your neighbours. This is called, Am I Rooted and Grounded in God's Love Quiz? Right? So a few diagnostic questions to see how grounded we are in the love of God. Right? Number Question number one. No cheating. Do I find God hard to approach in prayer? Question two. Do I find God hard to talk about with others? Question three. Am I overly defensive when anyone questions anything about me? Question four. Am I constantly worried about what everybody thinks of me? There's only three more. Question five. Am I secure in who God has made me to be? Question six, am I certain in what God has given me to do? And question seven, do I know God's love personally in real life? That is one tough quiz, isn't it? I failed many of those questions. And there are many complex reasons for our deep-seated fear. This all comes from deep-seated fears and insecurities. And it's in our nature, it's in our upbringing, and, and, and so Paul knows this is only possible through the work of God, the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray for ourselves and our loved ones to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit and in our inner being to become rooted and grounded in God's love. God wants to free us from our fears and insecurities that just so easily dominate us so that we can become our true selves. Think of the impact on a child you know, who grows up 
feeling unloved. They often become rebellious, don't they? They become very attention-seeking, especially of the opposite sex, because of these underlying insecurities. And they may well rack their entire life and potential through rash decisions before they even get going in life. And for children, see this is what this, we all know this, for children to flourish and become their true selves, they need a stable, loving home. And the same is true in God's family. The devil works so hard to convince us that God is hard, unloving, intimidating, so that we feel insecure in our relationship with him and we make bad decisions that destroy our lives before we even get going and we never reach our full potential. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit to overcome that. So look at how this prayer begins. It says, Paul is on his knees. I bow my knees to who? To the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. The Father of all families. The the ultimate loving Father. Who cares for us and loves us more than we can even imagine. And we, we know that in theory. But it is a spiritual battle in each heart to believe that in reality. And it is possible only through the work of the Holy Spirit. That is why the Lord has given us the Holy Spirit. So you see why Paul's prayers are focused on this. Because this is the great battle taking place in our hearts right now. You probably know an older Christian, you know, who has been through so much in life, right? They have faced trials and difficulties, and perhaps even suffering ill health, body falling apart, yet despite all that, they are absolutely sure of the love of God. You see, that is, that is someone who, from which this battle has been won through the Holy Spirit through a lifetime. That is what we're aiming for, all of us, to become rooted and grounded in God's love. And it is possible, we've seen it in older Christians, But actually, the sooner that battle is won in your heart, the better. The sooner, the better. Because once you're rooted and grounded in God's love, that opens up all kinds of possibilities, right? This is what he goes on to say here in verses 18 and 19. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So it's when we become secure in our relationship with God, we can begin to explore his love like never before. We can, that's like a solid platform from which we can dive into the ocean of God's love, right? So you imagine a young daughter, you know, whose mind has been poisoned that her dad, you know, doesn't love her. And, and she believes that her father doesn't really love her. And she ignores him. She avoids him. She rebels against him. She tries to provoke him. And... And ends up estranged from him, right? But if her father somehow gets the chance to prove his love for her, she may then with much hesitation, you know, begin to come to him and get to know him. And now he has the chance to share his heart, right? <laughs> to show the, what, what he's always thought of her all along and show the plans that he has for, for her future. The fact that he's saved up these, this money for her to give her, to make her flourish. That, that was her, her heart his heart for her all along, and she can now begin to enjoy his love. Do you see what Paul is saying? Once we become secure, once we, we, we start to draw close to God, he can start to share his heart, his true plans and purposes for us. And in this very letter to the Ephesians, Paul is laying out God's plans for our eternal flourishing. 
his generosity, his grace, his love. And, and Paul knows that these are just words on a page unless the Holy Spirit helps us grasp them, right? Um, and I'm not sure if you've come to see, whenever you read Ephesians, how do you read Ephesians? Just as a daily duty, you have to do my quiet time before I get on with life, or, or is this a love letter from God himself? That, that is how we ought to be reading this. This is, this is God trying to show us his heart. You know, in the Bible, God is opening up his plans for our eternal flourishing. He's, t- he's, he's trying to show us how much he loves us. And these plans are so vast and amazing, they're hard for us to grasp. And, and that's why it says here, with all the saints, did you notice that? That we would come to know with all the saints. So God has not only sent his son, he's not only given us his spirit, he's provided us with brothers and sisters in, in the same family. You, you imagine trying to understand God's great salvation without the Apostle Paul, Right? And his letters are trying to even understand Ephesians without other brothers and sisters to help us understand God's word. We don't come to know God all by ourselves. We need the people of God. And Paul is telling us to look out for people who who understand God's love. Who have come to see these things in a deep and real way and spend time with them. You know, I myself have been greatly helped by a man called David Gooding. A man who went to my church who knew God deeply and was utterly convinced of God's love. And you could hear it when he prayed to his father. And nowadays, you know, on social media, we have all these stories of young Christians deconstructing their faith or giving up their faith. And, it's, and, 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 and they're being applauded as brave for being so honest about their doubts and questionings. And it's true that honesty is a good thing, you know, Pretense gets us nowhere and our hearts should go out to those people. But they should not set themselves up as influencers, as examples for other people to follow. We do not need to follow people with doubts and insecurities. We need to follow people who are rooted and grounded in God's love. And young Christians today need to unfollow cool online deconstructors. And they need to follow older, uncool, more mature saints who have learned to love and trust God over a lifetime. So Paul is an example of an older, uncool saint who understands God's love. And and here he is, he's locked in prison. He's bouncing around in a cell. And he's so, do you know why he's so excited? Even though he's in prison, he is so excited at God's great plans. And he is trying his best to get these across to these Ephesians. And, and if we are struggling to get excited about God's love, Paul tells us here, actually just before this, in verses 2 to 13, he says, I can help you. I can actually help you understand God's plans for you. He, he actually chose me for this very reason. To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Right? That's why I, I, I'm here. That's why I'm in prison. Just read this letter of Ephesians. Not just for, as a duty, but as a love letter from God himself. You don't need to be smart. The Holy Spirit enables you to grasp these things. If we dwell on them, if we read them over like we would read a love letter, and we take the time to listen to our older brothers like Paul, the Holy Spirit will help us grasp these things and get as excited as he is. 
So Paul's prayer is that we might become secure in God's love for us through the inner working of the Holy Spirit, through the help of mature brothers and sisters like Paul. But did you notice that is not the end goal of this prayer? What is the actual end goal of this prayer that Paul is aiming at? The overall purpose that Paul wants is so that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. That's how he puts it. Or he repeats the same idea that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now surely you might say, well, Christ does live in us if we are believers. And that's true. We, we have made Christ the Lord of our lives. But in reality, we find it very difficult to relinquish control. And Paul is praying for Christ to dwell in our hearts, to, to be at home in our hearts, right, right, to, to fill. He says that God may fill our lives entirely. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. Uh, you've probably heard this before, but if you imagine your life like a big house, full of lots of rooms representing all the different parts of your life, your work, your marriage, your relationship with children, your involvement in church, your relationship with your parents, your recreation, your hobbies, your roles, your responsibilities, how we use our time in the home, you know, at work, how we use our homes, what we think about, even what goes on in our minds, right? All these rooms that make up our life. And there's a door in each room. And whenever we become a Christian, we, we kind of open up the central room to Christ. We, you know, we put him on the throne of our lives. And we try to keep him there in the kind of central room as far as possible. However, Christ has this really uncomfortable habit of roaming around, right? Until he, he, he wants to go into every nook and cranny. Until we are filled with the fullness of God. Uh, he starts rummaging around in things that are none of his business, exposing areas of weakness in our personalities through challenging circumstances, leading us to repentance and change. It is all very uncomfortable, but it's because he has bigger plans for us than we realize. This is how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right. He's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that these jobs needed doing. And so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Do you see what Paul's praying for? This is what God does in us over a lifetime. He is recreating us, but that means tearing us down and building again. Right? It's, it's that bad. He has challenged everything about us until he himself feels at home. Christ dwells in our hearts. He feels at home there. You know, it's, a, it's like a young couple whenever you buy your first house. You know, it's a, it's a right fixer-upper usually uh, with plumbing issues, old-fashioned decor. But you know, if you've lived there after years of redecorating and extensions, you can eventually sit back and say, it finally feels like home. This is what God wants to do in us. When God first comes into our lives, he doesn't feel at home. And surely 
slowly and surely over a lifetime, he starts to take over. He, he first of all sorts out the plumbing and the bad decor. He deals with all our sins and shortcomings. He exposes them bit by bit. He teaches us to repent in the security of his love. Do you see how we need the security of his love to be able to do that? And then he, he deals with our habits, our assumptions, our choices, our desires, how we think, everything. He wants to change everything about us to reflect something of his glory. And Paul's overall aim in this prayer is that we let him. Now, how does this work in real life? I, I don't know how it looks for you. We're all unique. We're all designed to reflect something different of our infinite God. That is the whole point. But I can look back at my own life and see how God has slowly taken control against my fears and hesitations. You know, in big decisions such as where I was going to work or who I was going to marry, what church I should join, I just let him decide as I didn't really trust myself. But then other opportunities came along such as becoming an elder and I thought, oh, I'll ask my work if I can reduce my hours and if they say yes, I'll take that as a sign. Or whatever, and they did. And then I remember other opportunities came along, and and I really didn't want to do them, but the Lord wanted me to trust Him. So with great fear and trepidation, I I was I would maybe open the door, and then often the door would shut again, much to my relief. And sometimes it opened, and I went ahead with the Lord's help, and it wasn't as bad as I feared. And the adventure continues, doesn't it? For all of us. There's still many areas of my life which I have the door firmly shut. And every now and again the Lord maybe wraps it and I shut it again. And I'm holding back from him in fear and insecurity. But I can honestly say that my life now is greater than anything I could have planned. Not easier, not more comfortable, but greater. And my fears of feeling trapped in a life in which I couldn't cope turned out to be a complete misjudgment of God. He knows me better than I know myself. And if we forever hold God at arm's length and keep control of our lives out of fear and insecurity, we will be so much less than what we were designed to be. He's the designer. It's only whenever we, God, we let God take control of our life that we start to become what we were actually intended to be. And Paul knows this and he is on his knees praying that we might be strengthened in our inner being through the Holy Spirit. That's like having steel girders. He knows we need steel girders put in there first because this is going to be some construction, right? That we would be rooted and grounded in God's love. That's like having a firm foundation upon which to build. So that we are ready for this reconstruction process. We begin to open up our life to God's designs, his directions, and let God become the architect of who we are, everything about us, and start to become who God made us to be. And Paul knows we're all insecure. We all have trust issues. We only open up ourselves, don't we? We only let people in, those we trust. And we only trust those whom we're convinced love us. And that's why this whole sequence is so necessary. That we need the inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit to become secure in God's love. In order to let Christ dwell in our hearts. Take control of us so that he can fill us with all the fullness of God. 
And when we do open ourselves up to God and let him lead, we will find that he will do so. He will, he will do so much more in our little lives than we ever imagined. And that's why Paul ends with the words, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, it won't all be big and exciting all the time. Paul's writing this from prison. He's trapped, but he is. Even in that, he is fully confident that he is exactly who God made him to be and exactly where God made him to be at this point. And he's writing a letter that God will use in ways he can't even imagine that we would be reading it 2,000 years later in Belfast. God is able to do far more abundantly than we can even imagine whenever we open up our lives to him and let us lead even to prison if that is where he wants us to go. So let's come back to the beginning of this amazing prayer again and pray for God to grant us strength in our inner being through the Holy Spirit because that's where this all begins. We all need God's Spirit to open our eyes to his love for us personally. And then we'll be willing to yield a little more of our lives to Christ. Let him take a little more control and begin to reshape us more to his design. It won't be quick because we're all doer-uppers. It won't be easy or comfortable, but it will be worth it. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.